Hi everyone, I'm Charlie Boyd and welcome to the Jesus on Display podcast. Before we begin today's content, I wanted just to say thanks for supporting us here at Fellowship Greenville with your gifts and generosity. Because of your giving, we get to share resources like this podcast with you to help reach you wherever you are in your life with Jesus. If you'd like to support the ministry of Fellowship Greenville, you can head to fellowshipgreenville.org forward slash give to get started. Thanks so much for your support and we hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm telling you, God is working in your weakness. I'm telling you that because that's what the Bible says. That's what the scripture says, and we see it right here. I could say it this way, God delights in helping those who know they cannot help themselves. So here's Hannah, no children, which meant no hope, no future, no worth, in the eyes of her neighbors, full of shame and humiliation, and she is in a long line of women who face the same thing. The three wives of the patriarchs of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, Rebecca, the wife of Isaac, Rachel, the wife of Jacob, were all infertile, and God worked to do something new through them in that. Mrs. Manoah, the woman who eventually gave birth to Samson, Ruth, who had no children in her first marriage before she met and married Boaz. In every case, God began working in the ordinary day-to-day lives of all of these women, working in their weakness, their helplessness, their hopelessness, to do something new and life-changing. I like how Dale Ralph Davis puts it in his commentary on 1 Samuel. He writes, God's tendency is to make our total inability his starting point. God's tendency is to make our total inability his starting point. So God works in our weakness to do new things. The second thing that we see here is that God works in ways that we're not always able to see. He works in ways that we're not always able to see. He works slowly, silently, subtly, subversively, so much so that at first you may think he's not doing anything at all. God's people... Even worse, God's priests were, were spiritually and morally bankrupt. Things are bad. In these dark days, they're really, really bad. But what you need to see here is that there are certain hints that God is at work in the midst of all those terrible reports about all the bad things. There are these one-liners woven into the story telling us, don't forget what's really going on here. So what is going on? Well, again, this is a story about the rise of Samuel and the fall of the house of Eli. It's the beginning of a story of how God is going to bring an end to the dark days of the judges and how he will inaugurate the golden age of David's kingdom in Israel. He is at work, but the characters in the story can't see it. In fact, they can't see what we can see. So what is it that we see? Well, we see these one-liners telling us that God is working in the dark. Let me show you. 2.11 says, and the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. And then we're given a description in the story of just how raunchy things were at Shiloh. And then 2.18, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord, verse 21, and Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And then again, the immorality of Eli's sons is highlighted. And then we read in verse 26, meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and in favor with the Lord 
and with people. And then in the last section of chapter two, you see this, you, we see this prophecy of terrible judgment that will fall on Eli and his sons and his whole family line. And then chapter three, verse one says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. And then the chapter closes in 319. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and everything he said proved to be true. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet by the Lord And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel at the tabernacle. You see it. You see how how, how dark and depraved things are among the priests of Shiloh. But interwoven through it all, there are these one-liners as if to say, don't forget Samuel's here. Don't forget that the Lord is growing new leadership Don't forget there's something afoot. Don't forget that he's at work. God is at work even if you can't see him. I'm telling you, it is a beautiful and brilliant way the narrator of the story and the Holy Spirit is making this point so that we don't miss it. But these are the kind of throwaway lines that when we're reading the Bible for ourselves, we just go, okay, okay, where's the good stuff? Where's the good stuff? This is the good stuff. Matthew Henry once said, the God of Israel, the Savior, is sometimes a God who hides himself, but never a God that's absent. Sometimes in the dark, but never at a distance. And you need to anchor that truth in your heart. We all need to anchor that truth because all too often, when things seem dark and hopeless, we make a wrong assumption about God. We assume that he's absent, that he doesn't care, that he's distant, and he's not. Hear me, just because God's work isn't visibly obvious, don't think he's not there. Remember Samuel. Remember the one-liners that remind us that God is with us and working for us in the dark. And again, what we see here is that God is working to bring new godly leadership to replace old corrupt leadership and he's working silently and slowly here, maybe for a decade or more, as Samuel grows up. And he's setting the stage for what's coming. So what does the passage teach us about God? First, we see that God begins by working in our weakness. He, his starting point is our total inability. And second, we see that no matter how dark things are, God is working silently and subtly and subversively to bring his good purposes to pass. But there's one more thing and we need to see about how God works, all right? This is Hannah's song of celebration at the birth of her baby boy. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exults in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth scoffs at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble gird on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. 
The Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness for not by might shall a man prevail. His adversaries are shattered. The Most High will thunder in heaven against them, and the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the honor of his anointed. Now, I don't know about you, but this doesn't sound like something that my wife and I would say or sing if my infer infertile wife gave birth to a baby boy. Like, I mean, I'm like, what? Like the bow of the mighty is broken and the Lord will judge to the ends of the earth and he gives power to his king. And by the way, there was no king when she said this. Tuck that away. That's not how I would write a song to mark the arrival of a new baby. I mean, uh, it seems like a new baby celebration song would go something like, I prayed to the Lord in my distress and he heard my prayer and he granted my request. The Lord had closed my womb, but by his grace and mercy, he's given me a son. Yes, the Lord has made me strong. I was hopeless and he's given me hope. I had no future, but he's given me a secure future. My eyes were filled with tears of sorrow, but now he has filled my eyes with tears of joy. He has taken away my grief and shame. He's put a new song in my heart and on my lips. Sing with me, O people of God. There is no one like the Lord. He is our rock and our hope. Now that's the song I would write, but here's the deal. Hannah's story is not simply told to illustrate the story of a young, young and fertile woman who lived in the everyday life of God's people. The message is not that every childless woman who asks for a child will receive one. This uh, song is more than a personal prayer of thanksgiving. It is a victory song for the nation of Israel. Hannah's personal crisis has ended and now Israel's Christ, time of crisis, when everybody did what was right in their own eyes, it's about to end. So what is true of Hannah personally is true of Israel nationally. Hannah's name means favored, but she's childless. She's not favored, and in the same way, Israel is favored in the sense of being God's chosen people, but they're not favored because they're living in rebellion against God. Just as Hannah is barren, so is Israel. They're not bearing fruit. Just as Hannah faced a personal crisis, so Israel faces a national crisis. And just as God has done a beautiful thing, new work in Hannah's life, God is working silently and subtly and subversively to do a new work in Israel. He's transitioning from the dark days of the judges to anointing Israel's first king, Saul, and the subsequent reign of Israel's greatest king, David. Samuel is the last of the judges, but he will be the prophet who identifies David as God's cho chosen ruler over his people. And here we go. It is from David's line that another son will be born under miraculous circumstances the son who will be the eternal faithful priest that Yahweh said would come. And he will be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will judge the ends of the earth and establish God's kingdom of justice and righteousness on earth. And in that day, God's will 
will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. So Samuel's story directs our attention forward in this story, but do you see how it points way beyond Israel's story? Which leads to the last question. How does this passage point us to Jesus? Well, think about all the reversals that Hannah sung about, like the Lord makes poor, he makes rich, he brings low, he exalts, he lifts the needy uh, from the dust, and, uh, and he seats them with the princes. Mm, yeah, those were fulfilled in part in the kingdoms of David and Solid, Solomon, but uh, the reversals will not be realized in full until God's kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. King Jesus is the final fulfillment of all that Hannah sung about. He is the one uh, in whom all of those turn the world upside down reversals will be found. So Hannah's song extends beyond the birth of her baby to the birth of a nation, to the birth of our Savior, the true King who is coming. See, how do you know that? Well, several ways. When Mary was about to give birth to Jesus, she also sang a song, the Magnificat. And her song is a clear echo of what Hannah sung about, which also pointed beyond what her son Jesus would accomplish in his day. And I wish I had all the time, I had more time to unpack it all with you. There's so many parallels between Mary's song and Hannah's song, but here's, here, I'm going to do it this way, highlighting just a few of them. Um, I'm going to read uh, Mary's Magnificat, and then I'm going to intersperse with Hannah's song. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Hannah said, my heart exalts in the Lord, my strength is exalted in the Lord. Mary sang, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And Hannah sang in 1 Samuel 2, 2, there is none holy like the Lord. Mary said, and uh, saying, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. And Hannah saying in chapter two, verse seven, he brings low and he exalts. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the weak gird on strength. Mary saying, he filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And Hannah saying in chapter two, verse five, those who were full begged for bread, but those who were hungry are full. And Mary said, he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and all his offspring. Now granted, the parallels are not word for word. But there is no doubt that Mary has made Hannah's song her own. The theme of both songs is the reversal of human fortunes when God intervenes and turns the world upside down. And the coming of both Samuel and Jesus bring about a reversal of fortunes of which both their mothers sing. The proud are humbled and the humble are exalted. 
So these two songs point out a link between Samuel and Jesus and Hannah and Mary and even Luke seems to see a connection between Samuel and Jesus. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 2.26 we read, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. And Luke 2.52 says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Clearly, the scriptures want us to see how Samuel points us to Jesus. Samuel, the last judge, the first prophet, the new priest. Jesus, the judge, the prophet, the great high priest. Hannah's song and Samuel himself point forward to Jesus. Now, do you see why it's so important to study these ancient stories about people we'll never meet in places we've never been? If you've trusted Jesus as your savior, then you have been adopted into the royal line of King Jesus. And that means that these stories are your family history. They trace your lineage way back before anything that Ancestry.com can uncover for you. They shape your identity as a child of the king. They give you a future and a hope no matter how dark your days are personally or how dark the days that we live in today are nationally. You can know for sure, for certain, that because Jesus died to save you from your sins and because God raised him from the dead to give you new life, you can know for sure that as a child of the king, that he will guard the feet of his faithful ones, as Hannah sung. You can know for sure that as a child of the king, the Lord will break to pieces all of his and your enemies and and he will thunder from heaven against them. You can know that as a child of the king, he will lift you up and make you sit with princes and inherit with Jesus a seat of honor in the heavenly places. And isn't this the great reversal that Jesus taught about in the Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter six when he said, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of heaven, but woe to you who trust in your riches for you have received your only happiness now. Blessed are you who are hungry for you will be satisfied, but woe to you who are full now, you shall be hungry. Blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh, but woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, but blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they ridicule you and they spurn your name as evil on account of me. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For behold, God is working slowly, silently, subversively to usher in a king and a kingdom that will turn the world upside down. And you will most definitely, if you've trusted Jesus as your savior, you will be there to see it. You will be there standing around the throne when Jesus When Jesus died and rose from the dead, he ascended back to his throne in heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, King Jesus, reigning over everything from galaxies to governments. But there will be a day 
when he will be seated on his throne as king, Jesus, and he will rule over this whole world and he will judge from one end to the other and you will be there. That's our hope. So sing, (laughs) sing with Hannah. My heart rejoices in the Lord for there's no one holy like the Lord. There's no rock like our God. And sing with Mary, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The Jesus on Display podcast is produced right here at Fellowship Greenville in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Follow and share this podcast with anyone who might be interested or curious about our church community or how storytelling unites us and helps us feel more connected. To actively keep up with what's going on at our church community, head to our website at fellowshipgreenville.org, follow us on all social media platforms, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in. Grace and peace to you for your week, and we'll see you next time.